Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. John Rhodes, also known as the Crypto Hunter, back with us. One of America's most outspoken and controversial researchers. He's known around the world for his pioneering work researching reports of reptilian humanoid contacts and his out-of-the-box perspective regarding UFOs, alien encounters, the hollow earth, secret government technologies, and subsurface facilities. John has been a featured speaker at national and international UFO conferences, and his research discoveries have served as platforms for the beliefs of many other notable speakers and authors. He also acts as a professional consultant for literary and broadcast industry projects dealing with UFO-related subjects. Welcome back, John Rhodes. How have you been, my friend? I've been doing great. How have you been? I'm doing super as well. I miss you. It's been five years since you've been on the program. It seems impossible to believe that it's been that long, actually. I miss speaking with you, and Tom, of course. And then with COVID shutting down a lot of live events, uh, it's been a tough time, John, hasn't it? It's been a tough time. I, you know, I, I feel that we're in we're in historic times, however, and that the times that we live in right now will be regarded by our children or our grandchildren and their grandchildren as being just as important as the first American Revolution. Because out of this, I think we're going to be coming out America 2.0. Lots of new listeners since five years ago, John. Tell us a little bit more about you. How'd you get involved in all this? Uh, well, years ago, I was looking into areas of, of science, uh, wondering what the pursuits would be in that area for myself. And I had come out of a career as an actor out of New York City, and I um, had a car accident, and it left me with short-term memory loss issues. And, of course, I couldn't hit the stage with that being a problem for, of mine. So I had to challenge myself to facing other things to do in life. And one of them was getting into an area of science. And and when I started to look towards doing that, I, at the same time, encountered people who were having um, visitations or sightings of creatures that were not human. They were upright and looking and intelligent. And this kind of got my attention. And I kind of took the foot. And um, in the course of doing so, I've worn a lot of professional hats. I've taken jobs in areas simply and moved there simply because um, I've heard of things going on in the area. I took a local job. I would get in at some sort of position around um, the town, which would allow me access to information as well as eyewitness uh, testimony. And I would look into mysteries around that area, and then I would move on to the next one. As the crypto hunter, John, what have you learned over the years that uh, you didn't know before? Um, what I've really learned is that we really have a limited scope of the view of reality given to us in order to keep us in a confined perception so that we just keep buying products and being automatons and not really realizing that true freedom is kind of enjoying what's really around us on Earth, much of which has been hidden from us. And uh, the people who are in control will continue to try and hide that from us for many years to come. And I feel that that's kind of an unfair thing to do. After all, we all ended up here somehow. And uh, to me, uh, mysteries and especially wondrous things that are of nature are of special interest and very entertaining to me. 
John, I want to talk about reptilians this half, and at uh, the other half of this hour, we'll talk about some of these underground bases. Then we'll take calls with you in our second hour. Uh, are you still investigating, though, cattle mutilations? Because you jumped into that in a big way years ago. Uh, no, I'm not investigating the cattle mutilations anymore. Um, uh, a number of years ago, I had contact with the uh, the um, gentleman who appeared with Oprah Winfrey on her television show in which they made comments about uh, the meat. And, of course, this started a big court battle between the meat industry and Oprah Winfrey. And and after this battle, um, the, uh, the, uh, the gentleman shared with me the fact that uh, uh, he was informed that um, uh, President Bush had come through and made sure that anybody that was uh, making the American people insecure about their food chain supply would be considered a terrorist. And now, hmm. of course, we're living in times in which that's kind of an accusation. It's kind of hard to come from under um, uh, because of once you're accused, you know, the headlines are much louder than the follow-up. Right. You're guilty just on the accu- accusation. Right. Right. And, you know, what we really found in doing that whole thing was that um, it was all MRSA-related environmental research. I started using Google Maps and the measuring and direction and azimuth tool in the measuring tool to to actually find out that what was happening is there was a linear trajectory of placement of the carcasses of the animals. And it was directing my attention towards an environmental issue. And, for example... Um, one, the 2006 cattle mutilation that we, you and I have spoken about, and we had Tom Cook, a sheriff, Tom, Tom Cook on the air with us. Uh, that particular carcass, when you extended out in, in lines from the, the nearest lake and channels and canals, uh, to align to the animal and this trajectory, straighten out the trajectory the following year to, uh, to, um, cattle, um, uh, young, um, uh, uh, cows were left right. and one was deposited directly on the line that was drawn from the canal to the 2006 mutilation and trajectory out. One was dropped there. And then when I went there and looked at it, I could actually look at the nearest nuclear silo. And I was thinking, well, maybe it has to do with the nuclear silo over there because there's a lot of them. So I got on Google maps again and extended line from that point out through to the nuclear silo and then about a mile and a half past that, direct straight dead on, the line fell on the water tower to a chicken and pig farm. And this is where I think that we, we kind of found that um, uh, the pig feces and the chicken urine and stuff like that was all being mixed together as a fertilizer in water and then sprayed with like fire engine hoses high up into the air over their crops and stuff. And this may have actually drifted downstream into water supplies and on crops. And I think what we're looking at is um, uh, a, a, a long-term environmental study that somebody is doing, and they're leaving the evidence behind because they want to make sure that we have the intelligence to perhaps look and study the animal like they did instead of just writing it off. Afterward, after all, they could have taken that animal and, uh, you know, disintegrated. They could have, you know, interred it or dropped it off in the mountains and nobody would have known any difference. But they're taking precautions to preserve the animals as best as possible by keeping predators away, spraying something on them and keeping predators away so that we say, hey, here's a phenomenon to be investigated. And I've worked with uh, these, I work with sheriff's departments in the United States 
even one in Georgia, mm-hmm. in which uh, when they find the cows, they'll look, most likely find them with their heads pointed towards a ravine or something. And usually there's something environmental going on, something getting in the water supply. And the one in 2006, by the way, um, I, I found out that later on, not only did the um, uh, did they get violations for the pig farm up there, get violations for groundwater supply issues, but also and well issues, but also there was a spill of pig feces into the lake that feeds the water supply that goes downtown to the nearest town of Valier and then beyond. So this was this is an environmental issue, and I think that's why uh, people out there in the media like to write it off as as something that's having to do with UFOs and scary kind of creatures and stuff because they find it easily uh, dismissed. Whereas if you say, hey, there might be an environmental issue attached to this, now all they do is see super fun sight dollar signs in their eyes and they don't want to deal with it. Now, what's going on with reptilian humanoids? Uh, that This is something that you've investigated in a big way. Uh, well, um, you know that we're describing something that people have seen and reported and um what's going on with them currently is that what you're asking me yes um currently they're kind of sitting back i think taking a look at what's happening to us socially and our our new alignment our international alignments they're going to come out of it i think i believe personally that we're in a timeline we happen to just be beings that fell into a long timeline of of people who come lived on earth in which we're lucky enough to be here because they're going to be a realigning global politics i think maybe even to meet the bands of extraterrestrial contact keep in mind extraterrestrials may not want to deal with different nations and different negotiations of political interests at stake once they arrive here they may want just one voice and if they say we want one voice to represent your planet then what do we do that's so a good point. I, I think right, and I think that's why the U.S. Navy uh, is starting to release the photos. We're talking about craft descending from eighty thousand to to ground level in less than a second, which is about fifty thousand miles an hour. So, um, I think the government's getting close to really kind of saying, "Well, if we're in a social uprest and we're going to reinvent the world and America." that we might as well release the information about extraterrestrials as well, because otherwise it may cause a social unrest in the future. So why not have everything happen at the same time? These reptilians, uh, are people still seeing these entities? Yes, they they are. Now, now it's kind of hard to, to actually discern which ones are real reports coming in, which ones are fictionalized, and which ones are just... Uh, imagined or, or dreamt or anything like that. because the, And they all happen, all three, don't they? Well, they do, and the discussion has gotten so vast. It's in the, in the early stages of discovering this, when I did, you know, it was easy because there were so few people reporting it. And so you knew that they didn't have any kind of social contamination, meaning the discussion went on the Internet and they read it somewhere because the Internet was just getting going at this point. And and there wasn't anybody on the Internet ever to have the website talking about the reptilian humanoids. I kept searching and searching. That's why I just created the uh, reptoids.com, because I needed a place for people to come to to delineate or to be able to share what was happening. And at that point, I thought, well, if this is really occurring, there's dangers, too, because for me and others, because if this is all real, which it appears to be, 
then I know that I'm being watched and anybody I'm being used as possibly as an attractant to call the, you know, to call everybody out to get them on lists and everything like that. I, you know, I get a little paranoid because I know that this, you know, borders along national security because we're talking about an intelligent, advanced being. What are people seeing in South Carolina, Bishopville? Oh, back, back in 1989, a boy by the name of Christopher Davis was stopped his car and was changing a tire when uh, a large bipedal reptilian humanoid creature came running out of the farm near uh, Beanfield and started darting towards his car. So he started his car and drove off, and as he did, it it jumped on top of his car and reached down for his window, and he swerved the vehicle and threw it off. And it took him two hours of, of crying with his parents before they finally called Sheriff Liston Truesdale. He in, had a, a, a nervous our, breakdown, practically, didn't he? Yeah. And remember our friend Liston Truesdale, who I know you've spoken to. So um, he was the one to interview him, and he put him through a lie detector test, and, and Christopher Davis passed the lie detector test. Then there were other uh, sightings that occurred, and before you knew it, Bishopville, South Carolina, grew into kind of a mad circus with the news down there, and people reporting on the ABC Nightly News, talking about a lizard man running around. And, of course, there were the goof-offs that tried to make money off it and get on camera and dress up as in costume and everything like that. Like I said, it was a media circus. But Liston said to me that if he was facing the danger of people going kind of overboard and shooting people with their dogs and their, their hunting guns and stuff like that. And um, it, there were enough cases down there to say that something is living in that swamp area, and it's not normal. There's been an entire family even that saw it. And at times it appears without any clothing, and other times it seems to have a large wrapping or chest and waist area of large hair, which may be an animal pelt used as to keep warm or as, as disguise. Because if these things are living in remote areas and sometimes come in contact, are they smart enough to try and stay away from us, even to the point of camouflage? What nut job, though, John, would want to dress up in a costume down there when everybody down there practically has a gun or a shotgun? Well, you know, you're right. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? But, you know, the the, the fact is, is that they did, Liston did have to talk to an Air Force sergeant who was found with some sort of a lizard man suit who claimed he was the one that has been running around doing this. But Liston said, no, no, no. He said, I might be a Southern sheriff, but, you know, I was trained at the FBI Quantanamo, you know, uh, Quantico FBI training center. He says, I'm not stupid. He says, this guy was lying. So you had an Air Force guy trying to fake it, that he was actually the one doing it. Do they live underground, these creatures? Uh, yeah, for the most part, they appear to be, because uh, while we have a lot of satellites at this point covering the surface of the Earth, uh, historically, they've had connections underground. And I believe that, you know, through Earth's history, we have had them evolved underground as well, on Earth, as well as perhaps off Earth. But, um, uh, you know, the nature of a reptile is to hide under a rock. It is the safest place. It's only us idiot humans that seem to live on the surface where everything damaging happens. Civilizations get wiped out. You know, wars happen. Disease happens. It's 
it's more controlled underground in the environment. So none of that really is, is a, an issue, really, I think. Have people been threatened by these humanoids? Uh, no. I believe that some people are perhaps having parts of their reptilian brain awaken, and they might have nighttime encounters with projected visions from their own imagination. And it's not to say they're crazy, because, you know, there's certain psychedelic stimulants that can cause things like this. And when they do, uh, they face something that's like a hidden, deeper side of themselves in which they're scared of, and they immediately feel fear. Uh, You know, it's, it's the old imagery of, um, everybody has a dragon within them, but you have to learn to tame it. And it, and if you feel like you can't, it becomes your demon. I mean, because these descriptions are sort of like what people describe Satan as, aren't they? Well, yes. The the more ancient uh, Jewish texts in which the uh, Genesis stories were derived from actually speak of the serpent in the Garden of Eden as having the arms and legs of a man, in which upon it, on its legs it would rear up and run through the garden. And so this is a more detailed description that we get in the King James Version, not, not a translation, by the way, his version right. of the Bible. They simplified it, because I think they've been through time trying to hide the fact that we are not the only occupants of this planet um, one of these days, they are going to find out we have been living side by side with a, a, a another elder species that has a reptilian uh, physiology to them. And um, we have called them by different names uh, physically. You know, we call them reptilian humanoids, or as I like to call them as reptoids. It sounds more definitive. Um, and then uh, the... Um, uh, the uh, they have been called the Jin by our friend Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, and others because they have the effects of maybe going astral and affecting electronics or moving through things. Um, and um, when you put all this together and you look through ancient history, you got to look at what ha- people are happening now, and it's like the Ouroboros, the snake devouring its own tail. Uh, these stories seem to come from the past, and it, continue into the future. And really, I think what we need to do right now is kind of um, look at the subject matter instead of ridiculing it, look at the science behind it and not the sensationalism. And we don't need to project our ills on other creatures and when they're not here to defend themselves, because you know what? There's There's a lot that we do that's bad. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.